0: Welcome to Unfazed Under Fire, a podcast that aims to support executives in deepening their impact and resiliency on the path to growing their enlightened leadership. Tuning into your needs, here's your host and moderator, seasoned executive coach, and self-proclaimed end-of-the-road seeker, David Craig Utz. Hello and welcome another Unfazed Under Fire podcast. I'm David Craigotz, and I'm going to be your host and moderator for the show. This podcast aims to support my former clients to continue to hone their leadership skills following our engagement as their coach, as well as any other executive interested in improving their impact as a leader. Second and more broadly, the aim of this podcast is to challenge the current leadership and executive coaching professions to transform their approach to meet the needs of executives in a post-COVID world so that they develop as leaders faster and more effectively. The bottom line is, as an executive, you are leading not leading in the same world you were three years ago. More is expected from you, and more is coming at you than you ever had, were trained to deal with. And this requires my profession to deepen its capacity so that you can have lasting impact. We can have lasting impact when supporting you to achieve your aims. Now, certainly leadership development and coaching have made important strides over the last 30 years. Yet given what we are learning from the neurosciences, our profession must integrate these breakthroughs to be more effective and efficient as practitioners. We must move beyond helping clients to understand what it means to engage leadership to helping them transform their capacity to be leaders. In short, we must become transformational in our approach to facilitating the growth of leadership and our clients. So, in today's program, I want to revisit a foundational and critical element of leadership development the engagement of self leadership. In another word, for self-leadership that can be used interchangeably is self-mastery. As the words imply, self-leadership is about leading yourself, which entails understanding the vision you have for your impact, understanding and applying what inspires you, attending to self-care and holding yourself accountable in a non-judgmental way to ensure that your actions can are consistently and incrementally aligned. In integrity with what your aspirations are. Now, the growth of self-mastery or self-leadership requires an executive to revisit some fundamentals that involve, first, facing what is in the way of you having full confidence in yourself and the value you can bring. Second, taking the time to be able to step back and reflect and integrate what you most deeply care about as you act through your executive responsibilities. Third, it's about attending to your self-care so that you are more naturally relaxed and can bring your best energy and focus forward into the complex nature of your role and what's required to grow your organization and the value that it generates. Fundamentally, these three elements involve developing a higher degree of self-awareness that ensures you will be present and centered across all situations. So what is the practical benefits, or what are the practical benefits of attending to these fundamentals? Well, as an executive's confidence, energy, and focus and self-awareness expand, a natural state of being is generated that leads to high-quality actions. And these high-quality actions, of course, ensure high-quality results. Said another way, the ignition of leadership starts with igniting a shift in one's being, not one's doing. When this shift happens inside an individual, one begins to do things differently, to take different actions, is pro to an entirely new way of operating that are automatically more leader-like. So today we're going to explore the value of this internal shift more and to find two key components you must focus on to grow your self-leadership. And we'll also examine several methods for strengthening your self-leadership or self-mastery. Again, when you understand and engage these things, your job as a leader becomes much easier and you become more impactful no matter how chaotic your environment is. The truth is that the clients I've worked with or have known who gained access to this natural way of being are some of the most accomplished leaders I know. On the flip side, if you do not take this time to develop your self-mastery or self-leadership, it is highly unlikely that you'll be very effective at leading others. Because when you do gain self-mastery, you will be far more effective in coaching others because you're personally tapped into the natural mechanisms of inspiration, confidence, and focus within yourself. These mechanisms are the same in every human being. Additionally, as you understand your own reactivity, in places where you get stuck or frustrated you also gain greater compassion towards others as they're attempting to change and become better themselves. In summary, as you strengthen your self-leadership, you naturally become more confident, inspired, and accountable to yourself and others, while also enhancing your ability to be less judgmental, more compassionate, and a better coach, which is all central to moving your talent up to a higher degree of creating value. Now, developing self-leadership also leads to many other benefits, like the ability to tap into deeper intuitive insight, a connection to, to more of a deeper connection to what inspires you that ignites a kind of state of fearlessness and leads to better decision making. As you grow in the state of self-leadership, it also assists you in generating a safety, validation, and trust, and inspiration, and work joy for those reporting to you and interacting with you. It creates an environment that uplifts and empowers. Self-leadership, bottom line, enhances the engagement and accountability in your organization. So let's take a look at what's involved with developing greater self-leadership. Now, first of all, it requires you take time to explore what you profoundly care about, and to gain insight and in access to deeper abilities in your mind, heart, body, and soul. This these means are most practical and efficient way, or the most practical and efficient way to grow as a leader and in your leadership impact. In my work, I note two core components you must attend to to grow your self leadership. First is the continuous development of executive presence, which involves engaging in radical self-care and learning how to enhance your ability to be present moment to moment so that you can most effectively forward your priorities. Second, self-leadership involves the development of interpersonal or conversational intelligence. And this involves understanding how to build off the foundation of executive presence to create genuine connection with others to be able to explore challenging issues, to work through conflicts, and to develop commitments that most effectively and naturally forward actions that are most critical to creating value. Now, while I will have future podcasts on each of these components to go into more detail, let's take a look at each one at a high level, starting with executive presence. Now, what is executive presence? Executive presence is a natural state, again, that brings your attention into the current moment so that you can accurately access what's actually unfolding around you and bring the best out in your others and yourself and support the generating movement towards your the fulfillment of your priorities. The growth of executive presence involves a deepening of a state that I call the right state of executive presence. The R is for relaxation, the I for inspiration, G for gravitas, F for heightened focused and T for timelessness or being in a state of flow. What is most important to understand here is that this state is natural for human beings. It's not something you have to learn to construct brick by brick. You only have to discover how to access what's there already within you. Now, in the beginning of gaining access to this state, that is natural, you must form new habits of intention that engage this natural state. You must know where to look within yourself and bring your attention back to it with some effort at first. That said, as you do it, and in a very short period of time, you'll find it easier and easier to reconnect to it. So the state is more a a matter of remembering than actually learning it. Now, I get it. Given our times and the nature of your job, it may not seem like such a natural state. Such a state may feel foreign to you, but I've discovered through my studies, experience, and work with hundreds of executives that, this, that leadership and executive presence are always available, that they just need to be called forth. To bring it forward requires that you desire to do so and are willing to learn where to look and what to pay attention to so that you remember what's already present. This is a profound forward, shift in understanding, understanding how we develop and leadership, leadership and at rest, and presence. which is where these qualities the are most easily discovered. Developed. You can't expect to find the already always centered place in you if you are constantly have your attention directed outwards and are always busy. That's why meditation and mindfulness practices are so powerful, but in many ways are misunderstood at the ultimate goal of them because they are meant to help you develop this connection to this natural state and to build a relationship with your awareness. That's the primary purpose of meditation that most people don't speak about. Now, also through the NeuroReset process discussed in a recent podcast with Anatoly Yukarev, we help clients achieve this state easily in two short sessions. Still, so even after the reset, there are simple things our clients must do to maintain and deepen the experience over time. Of course, because our resets ex- uh, clients experience the state from the reset, they also value doing those practices because they understand what they're trying to maintain more clearly. Now, another essential element of growing your executive presence is learning how to focus your attention potently by clarifying your leadership identity purpose, and values. This clarity comes by answering some primary questions like, who am I as a leader? Or what is my brand as a leader? Why am I showing up every day to lead? In other words, what is my purpose as a leader? And finally, what do I care to most experience and have others experience about my leadership? What do I, how do I embody that experience? Those are your values around leadership. The answers to these questions are fundamental to shoring the focusing and focusing yourself on the right things. Yet the answers are not enough. Once you have clarity, you must reinforce these by creating habits of being that shift the way you engage others, make decisions, and affect change. You must integrate these understandings into your behaviors. This is the core of your integrity as a leader. Now, let's move to the second component of self-leadership, which is interpersonal intelligence. Chalmers Brothers and Vinay Kumar's book, Language and the Pursuit of Leadership Excellence, is a book that I share with all of my clients. Chalmers and I got certified together as coaches some 30 years ago, and he and Vinay have put together the distinctions from that program in a very potent way that relates directly to a leader's roles and responsibilities. The book outlines how important it is to be aware of how you're observing your reality and how to engage language to generate a reality consistent with your vision. The heart of their premise is that at times when we want to improve some aspect of our organization or our leadership or our direct reports or behavior, we tend to look at the actions we or they are taking so that we can improve them. Now, certainly this makes sense. Improving our actions is one way to improve things, but an even more powerful way to do so is to be able to step back and become aware of the aspect of us that is observing both our actions and the results. When we can pay attention to this observer, we become clear on the perspective and emotions that are driving our behaviors and actions. For example, we might be feeling resistance from a direct report around deploying one of our strategies to improve efficiencies. As we experience this resistance, we might try different means to get them to follow the strategy. For example, we might try different ways of explaining it. We may get more demanding, or we may ask them to provide more reports on their progress. Now, these are all means of trying to improve the actions of our direct reports and looking at our actions to improve those actions. Well, the alternative is to step back and ask ourselves what might be causing this resistance? Am I making some assumptions about this request? And if so, what are they? Further, I might take the time to actually discuss with my direct report the resistance I'm sensing to see what might be holding them back, if anything. By making these inquiries, we are stepping back to to examine the observer's point of view. And in most cases, when we do this, some breakthrough is generated. I believe most of the times when we're stuck in situations like this, it's because we're not stepping back and looking at how are what assumptions we are making and what assumptions might others be making. And this is essential. So the observer is, one, is the one in us that has a broader view of the context, who can see the beliefs and assumptions behind our actions, and who invites us to be more innovative in our approach. And as I intimated in the example I just shared, the observer also assists us in inquiring into others' points of view and decisions. Another word for getting to know your observer is expanding your self-awareness. This is why, again, the growth of self-awareness is the most important leadership competency there is. Now, in Chalmers and Vignet's book, they also explore how language creates our reality. And one's ability to have interpersonal or conversational intelligence is essential to generating a reality that is consistent with your vision. But there's more to this arena of interpersonal intelligence or what Judith Glasser calls conversational intelligence that you need to know. Glasser's research into the field revealed that the impact conversation have on us is hardwired into us. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser actually says... It turns out that human beings are hardwired to have conversations impact them in such profound and significant ways that it can turn genes on and off. That's a core, fascinating challenge for all of us, an important insight. Now, unfortunately, most leaders are not always attuned to the impact their words and emotions have on others. And this lack of awareness leads to a lot of unnecessary waste of time, deterioration of trust, suffering, and it ends up leading to the exit of talent from our organizations. Most of these adverse side effects are generated not because leaders intend to have this impact, but because they are unconscious of the dramatic effect their approach to interactions can have on others. Again, this reinforces the critical nature of having executive presence and being in contact with that observer I just spoke about. So conversations and the commitments that come from them are the core of your team's productivity and performance. If you've never had conversations or generated commitments, it's obvious nothing would ever get done. And to be honest, one of the most significant topics of my coaching conversations is dealing with breakdowns in relationships, influence, and commitments. While as evidence, learning how to engage others in a way that builds trust and forwards what's most important is one of the most challenging aspects of leading. So let's talk about what principles you can stand on that support a high level of engagement, that support deepening trust, create deeper understanding, and generate highly effective conversations that forward commitments and actions that deliver the highest value. There are five core principles that if followed, improve the probability you will have effective conversation that adds tremendous value. The first core principle involves your approach to interactions. It emphasizes your ability to be present when entering a new interaction at work so that you can foster a high-quality interaction. Now, doing this requires that you entirely shift your attention towards the individual or group you're interacting with. This requires you to make conscious transitions throughout your day that resets your focus. Again, it is one of the best ways we honor those we speak to and engage each day. And this is something organizations need to really raise with their leaders because life in organizations is so hectic and busyness is seen to be kind of a badge of courage uh, by accepting this habit. But accepting this habit is undermining performance and fulfillment at work. Now, the second core point is that you want to make sure that the purpose and outcomes for a conversation are crystal clear. This seems obvious and it means that everyone engaging in the interaction must understand both the purpose of the conversation and that what everyone mutually desires to move forward because of the conversation. Clarity of both this purpose and value proposition makes up the agenda for the conversation. But again, I'm amazed at how often this part of the conversation is left out. And it requires some rigor to ensure that it's always there the third core point is to make sure that your focus the first part of the and the first part of the conversation centers around two areas of inquiry creating a shared understanding of the opportunity problem or situation you're facing and exploring a, being able to explore, explore a diversity of ideas for overcoming the challenge or leveraging the opportunity the fourth core principle might appear to be the simplest it is to listen. Stephen Covey has a powerful quote I'm sure you're aware of. Seek to understand, then to be understood. This is a, is a lesson that we have literally lost touch with in today's divisive world. The orientation requires that you suspend your point of view for just a bit and listen to the intent with the intent to understand the, uh, another's point of view. This requires you ask questions that surface what's behind people's perspectives with the goal to have the most grounded understanding of the opportunity, challenge, or concern. Now, this is critical because if we commit to actions, we want to make sure those commitments and actions generate the outcome we aim for and that there's an understanding of why we're doing what we're doing within the conversation and after it. Now, finally, in most conversations at work, you want to walk away with clear next steps and a follow-up plan. Too often, I see executives leaving conversations with many assumptions about next steps with nothing locked down. The more rigorous you make, you make the commitments, the more impact you'll have and the more value you'll create. There are nuances in each of these elements that I've just mentioned, but those are central to having effective conversations that lead to high-value commitments. So we've covered a lot today. By emphasizing that the most powerful way to grow your impact as a leader starts with shoring your foundation of self-leadership. Self-leadership development is an exercise in getting to know yourself and what you care about most because these are the basis of your motivation and confidence. Keeping attention on what you care about most is also a source of energy that supports your productive, most productive efforts. I also emphasize that there are two related areas that you focus on to grow self-leadership. Executive presence and interpersonal or conversational intelligence. Yes, there is an investment of time in deepening your development in these areas, but the return on investment from doing so is huge. Now the question becomes, what are the most impactful means to expand your self-leadership? Again, over time, I will spend more time in these in the podcast, but let's introduce some core practices and approaches. Again, the ultimate emphasis of all these practices is growing your self-awareness. And I define self-awareness as befriending the self in you that is already always aware. And most of us relate to self-awareness, much like fish relate to water. We don't see it. It, we, we are always aware, and everything we experience is contained inside awareness, but we don't necessarily appreciate it. Self-awareness is not located in the mind. It's beyond the mind, and this can initially make it challenging to appreciate the pure power of awareness. That said, there are things you can do that you that don't take a lot of time, but embolden your, your relationship with awareness. It starts by taking the time for and integrating reflection into your day. The most effective leaders I know have a consistent journaling practice that helps them step back and look at how they're approaching their role. Next, you can befriend your awareness by having a direct experience of it in a very pure way. You can do this by becoming a student of it through meditation and mindfulness practices. Now, there are many benefits of meditation and mindfulness, as I alluded to earlier, but the primary purpose of both sets of practices is to build a relationship with your deeper, more aware self. Additionally, you can find deeper understanding of yourself and your tendencies by reflecting on what you care about most and by getting to know your personality or ego structure through various assessments like the Enneagram or Strength Finder. Such assessments speed up the process of knowing how you use your attention, what motivates you, what you tend to care about, and the unique lens through which you try to make sense of the world. And finally, another way of becoming aware of your impact on others is through a 360-degree assessment, because this helps you understand how you are perceived by others and how that compares with how that their perceptions compare to your own. Finally, foundational to all this comes from monitoring and improving your self-care. This is so essential, especially in these times. Attending to self-care leads to being more resilient and rested so you can fully meet the intensity of your role. Getting Getting into these habits requires you see value in them, and then you go through a process of setting them into place. And one of the values of working with a coach is that they can support you in the process so that by the end of the engagement, you have new habits in place that will serve you for years to come. Again, I want to thank you for your attention today. I trust you found value. And as always, I would love to hear your feedback on my podcast or to get even topic ideas for future shows. If you're open to doing that, drop me an email, david at davidcraigutts.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Now, on my next podcast, I'll be joined by special guest Dan Blackburn. Dan is a former Whole Foods executive who has also spent many years studying the nature of resiliency, and he is currently an executive coach helping his executive clients engage it very powerfully. It'll be a very exciting conversation, and I trust you'll be able to make that one. In the meantime, I wish you a great rest of your day. May it be inspiring, productive, and fulfilling. I'll see you soon. Take care you uh-huh.